Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Great Sports Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always very good and amazing friend, Father Richard Heilman. And our guest tonight is Abby Johnson. And before we get into the amazing introduction of this amazing individual, we want to begin everything with an amazing prayer. And we always turn this over to the amazing Father Heilman. Amazing. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruinous souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Bob. I feel like I got a radio voice on tonight. You, know? you, you do, Ed. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, and thank you, everybody out there who has uh, always been a great support of what we do at the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. Appreciate that. Your prayers, your comments, your encouragement, always very, very helpful to us in all ways. And we thank you for that. I want to thank everybody also who supports us, the Patreon program. If you're interested in helping us with that, please click the link in the description. It is an amazing way to help us continue to get this message out. A message that is so important, especially in these times, we see so many areas where the cancel culture, as is the way we refer to it now, has just cut and slashed left and right so many important messages that need to get out there. Now, we are not going to take that. We shouldn't. We've got to be faithful, courageous, bold, and clever in the way we continue to get this word out. So your help, again, your prayers, your encouragement, and the Patreon program, powerful way of doing that. So thank you all for that. Also, don't forget to go out to the U.S. Grace Force gear page. Get your official T-shirts, your official sweatshirts, hoodies, all the amazing things. We even have baby onesies on there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. You can check the link in the description below. Go on out and check that out as well. We also want to thank Abby Johnson for being with us tonight. Abby, I know you and I go way back to EWTN, <laughs> Life on the Rock. Yeah. We interviewed you one time on there. So yeah, back 1917 or no, yeah. that was... A long, long time ago. Long yeah, it was time. a while back. Yeah, yeah. But you are, you are, that was before your movie, Unplanned, came out, mm -hmm. which really, really, I mean, shook a lot of people to the core. I know people who were just amazingly impacted by this. Um, and you were a clinic director at the time and mm -hmm. of your conversion. Um, yeah. You know, just for the audience out there, I mean, a lot of people know who you are, obviously, but we want to reach those people who don't know maybe a little bit about your past. If you could just kind of give us a, a synopsis of what brings you to where you are now as a Catholic mother of eight, a wife, and still out there just shouting from the rooftops the importance of, of defending the dignity of life. But wh where does this begin at your days of uh, Planned Parenthood? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I got involved uh, as a college kid in Planned Parenthood. I, um, you know, I had my own abortion in college. I didn't grow up in a pro-abortion home. I grew up in a super pro-life home, Christian, conservative parents, but it was a different time. We didn't really talk about abortion, you know, back in the late seventies, early eighties, wasn't in the media. Nobody was standing up at a podium shouting their abortion. Women were not proud of the fact that they had taken the lives of their children, right? So, you know, my parents were just like, well, we taught her abstinence. We taught her the biblical pathway to marriage. Certainly she's going to do all of those things. She's going to listen to us. So there's just no reason for us to talk to her about these really unpleasant things. And so we just didn't talk about it. And I went to college, um, really just sort of ran away from my childhood faith and uh, got into a relationship with a guy that was a lot older than me, 
got pregnant, had my first unplanned pregnancy and, um, had my first abortion at his encouragement. And, uh, then a year later met a lady that was with Planned Parenthood and she was just talking about how Planned Parenthood is so amazing and they're doing all these amazing things for women. And, you know, don't you want to help women? Don't you want to keep women out of these dangerous back alley abortion clinics? And like, of course I do, right? I mean, of course I want to help women. Of course I want to keep women out of these dangerous clinics. You know, I was able to stay out of a dangerous clinic because of legal abortion. So of course I want to help other women, you know? And um, that was it. I mean, I just, I started volunteering. I graduated from college and they were right there to swoop in and offer me a really great job where I made a lot of money. And I uh, just, Continued to get promoted, 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 won awards, was Planned Parenthood's employee of the year. Um, eventually started running the clinic where I had started off as a volunteer. And, um, you know, that last year I was there, things started getting really uncomfortable for me. Um, I think that I was really starting to open my heart um, back up to that childhood faith that I had grown up with. And that's dangerous, right? Mm. It's like when you start letting God in a little bit, he's like, hello, you know, like <laughs> I'm back, you know? Um, and so that's what really started happening. And then um, I was allowed to be in a room with a live ultrasound guided abortion procedure, something that to my knowledge had never happened at my clinic before. Ultrasounds are not typically used during an abortion procedure. And I was asked to go in and assist, and I saw a 13-week-old baby fight and struggle for his life against the abortion instruments. And God allowed me to see the humanity of the child, the life of the child, and I knew then that I was on the wrong side of this debate. So I ended up leaving and had no intention of doing anything with the pro-life movement, had no intention of um, being pro-life. I thought pro-lifers were nuts. Um, but, uh, Planned Parenthood decided to sue me and try to get a gag order against me. So I wouldn't be able to tell about all the terrible things I'd seen inside of the abortion industry. And when they did that, they sent out a press release to the Associated Press and that got picked up by hundreds of media outlets all over the world. And that really propelled me into the media spotlight for better or worse. And, um, I, I felt like God was really prompting me to tell the story that I had not intended to tell. And I wrote unplanned that turned into a movie that I did not expect. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, the key is this, I think abortion continues to be perpetuated in our world because people don't see the primary victim of abortion. And the victim of abortion is, is that preborn child. And, uh, I think if people could see that life snuffed out, I think if people could see what happens to a child in the womb when it's being murdered, I think that it would change a lot of people's minds. And that's exactly what unplanned did. Mm. And I'm, I'm so thankful that God gave me the opportunity to, to actually speak up and, um, to, to literally show up. To, to show the yeah. that that victim of abortion in yeah. in unplanned you know abby I, i'm so thrilled to have you on tonight because you got to know first of all when i went to unplanned with my sister and her husband i hadn't been to a movie in god knows how long 
And I don't think I've been to a movie since. I'm not a movie goer, but we <laughs> so wanted to go to this movie. And I'll never forget that scene that you just just just, just described. In fact, I've I've recounted it many, many times since then, but that you, you were in that room and you looked up at the ultrasound. But the thing that struck me too is that uh, the those who um, designed the movie, produced it, uh, they seemed to make sure that they showed the people praying outside at the exact mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I, I, I just always felt like we have to believe in the power of prayer mm -hmm. and that their prayer got you to that point. Mm -hmm. And then look what's happened since then. Mm -hmm. um, and here we are too. We're post Roe v. Wade. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a second, but, uh, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, it went down on June 24th. Mm -hmm. That's my birthday. Oh, very <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. What a great what a, birthday present. What for you, a Father. great birthday present. And and the Feast of the Sacred Heart happened yes. to land on that as well. So, but um, but we're in this pro, post Pro V Wade. And um, I just think of all the hours that so many people have spent out in front of wherever their Planned Parenthood was, and they prayed. And I, I, again, I, I really laud those who produced that film. Did you, when you, when you wrote about it, did you write about the fact that there were people outside praying? Or when, you know, what do you think about that part in the movie and, and how there seemed to be a, a, a strong connection made? Okay, we're praying, and now look what's happened. What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, so, you know, Father when so it's really important that we showed sort of that juxtaposition right that this is taking place inside the clinic they have no idea what's happening right, right? but at the same time they're out there really pleading with, yes. with god yes. you know yes. like some god please something needs to happen right yeah and we really wanted to show that on yeah. you know that that sort of metaphorical and literal fence, like what's right. happening on, on either side. Yeah. But here's the thing. When I, I remember, you know, my parents were both very pro-life and the whole time that I was working at Planned Parenthood and my mom gets a lot of questions from parents who are struggling, you know, maybe their child is pro-choice or working in the abortion industry, or their child is living a homosexual lifestyle or, you know, away from the church or whatever right. it may be, you know, and, and my mom and dad, they get questions from other parents, parents who are just not knowing what to do. And a lot of times these parents will come up to my parents and they will say, you know, all, all, all we can, all, all we know to do is pray. Like, what else do we do? All, all we're doing is praying. Right. And my mom, I heard her say one time, and this was like, this was such wisdom from my mom. She said, you know what? She said, that's what I used to think too. I used to think, you know, all I can do is pray. And she said, but then God really set me straight. And I thought, no, everything I can do is pray. Yes. And that was, that was such profound wisdom that the Lord gave my mom. You know, sometimes I think we, you know, we sit there and we go, well, we've done everything we could do. I guess now all that's left to do is pray. It's like, no, yeah. that's, 
that's the first thing we need to yes. do, right? Yes. Yes. Is pray. And, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we ask people who are out on the sidewalk, like, please be praying for people who are in the abortion industry. Please be praying for that abortion provider. Please be praying for those nurses. Please be praying for those receptionists, whoever they are, right? And so they'll start praying and then they call me, they call, you know, us at our ministry and they go, oh my gosh, you know, the, the abortion doctor, the, you know, abortion nurse or whatever, she reached out. We can't believe it. And I'm like, but that's what you've been praying for. (laughs) Don't be surprised when God answers your prayer, right? Don't be surprised when God does what you've been asking him to do. And so all we need to, you know, what we need to be doing first and foremost is praying. That's everything. Yeah. Abby, you know, obviously a lot of the prayers that have been going for years and years, uh, since 1973, January 22nd, Roe v. Wade. And, and I remember talking, you know, to so many pro-lifers over the years, the older ones who would say, you know, we didn't, we didn't grasp really the magnitude of that decision. It wasn't, there was no big fanfare about it. Right. And we just kind of heard it and thought, Hmm, this is what some were telling me, but year as the years went by and the gravity of it was really sinking in. And then now we get to what, 49 and a half years later, and it, it gets overturned. Where do you, in your estimation, see America now with Roe v. Wade now being overturned and the battles are beginning now on different state levels with regards to, you know, what they're going to accept and not accept. And where do you see it now? And where, in, again, from your experience and your, your angle of looking at this, where do you see this going in the near and distant future? Um, so, I mean, we've, we are definitely fighting a different battle now. So we are, you know, we, we have sort of made the battle a little more difficult (laughs) for ourselves because we've now gone from one federal battle to, Mm. you know, 51 individual battles, if you include DC, right? So we, we've gone from, you know, one to 51. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's a, that's a, we've made sort of a bigger fight, right? Um, but I, it's all, I I think, you know, for a lot of states, it's a very winnable, it's very winnable fights, right? So a lot of states already had protections in place, like, you know, where we live in Texas, we already had a trigger ban in place. Mm -hmm. Many states already had constitutional amendments in place. They already had previous constitutional state constitutional laws in place. They had trigger bans in place. So we were ahead in many, many states, um, legislatively, uh, you know, a lot of states are currently passing state laws to get ahead of that, um, of that curve. So I, I think that, you know, we're, we're sitting well, but I, I am, I mean, if I'm honest, I am concerned that there's going to be people in the pro-life movement that are sort of, you know, maybe have been sort of marginally pro-life or they're sort of, you know, just moderately pro-life or they haven't really been very active in the pro-life movement that are going to say, well, great. It's now the fight's over, Mm -hmm. right? Like Rose overturned. We've done our job. We can wash our hands of it. 
And uh, now we can move on to something else when the reality is that really the hard fight is really just now beginning. Right. I, I just feel like I was watching a clip today about 1981 and uh, when President Ronald Reagan came in and he openly talked about how important it is that we speak about God, we believe in God, mm -hmm. and we have God at the center of our nation. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, he was able to say that. <laughs> I mean, and 81 actually is the, the year I uh, got my call to the priesthood. But, um, it, it, you know, what's interesting too, I'm, they call me Father Connect the Dots, but uh, <laughs> I got my call at 81, 40 years later to the day, because I got it on my 23rd birthday. Um, Roe v. Wade goes down. So, um, wow. 40 years out from that, but anyways, um, any, but I, you know, don't you think that's the problem? I mean, I think we've, we've, um, marginalized God oh, and, yeah. and, and we, they've done a very effective job. They call them whatever you want, radical seculars or what, but they've done a very effective job at, at uh, demeaning and diminishing, um, those who believe in God. And, and I just think we need a revival. And because what happens is, is that then you, you have a strong sense of right versus wrong or the will of God. And, uh, so I don't know, I, uh, the last, I don't know, um, what you think about this, Abby is, but the last two and a half years just seems to be a bit of bum rush of evil that's gone, come on. And so much has been legalized and normalized and, um, and, uh, but, and maybe this is leading too into, uh, we wanted to talk today about how can we prepare for what lies ahead? You know, are we, that's the title unplanned or planned for, for what lies ahead. But, um, what, what do you think about that, Abby? I mean, where do you think we are as a, as a condition as a country and, and where do we need to go? Well, I mean, I think you're so right, Father. And I think one of the problems that we've had in the pro-life movement, and I mean, I was a part of this problem, and I fully admit that, because I was like real dumb when I first became pro-life. Like, I didn't know how to be pro-life, and yeah. I didn't know, yeah, I was new to all of it, right? right. So, um, you know, when people would say things to me, and I'd be like, oh, that seems like a good idea, you know, and I would be yeah. like, yeah, okay. And, um, and so, you know, it took me a while to sort of like get my footing. And one of the, one of the ideas that sort of really been put forward in the pro-life movement is that we need to disconnect God from the pro-life movement. Mm. And for a long time, that has been the thing to do, right? Mm. We need to secularize the pro-life movement. Mm. We need to, you know, make the pro-life movement all about science and we need to make it all about logic and we need to completely take God out of the equation. I remember being at a student conference one time and this, I was just there. Uh, I mean, I was speaking, but I was listening to this um, presenter and one of the students asked her, um, you know, I always wear a, a cross or like a crucifix or something when I'm tabling at my school. And she said, you know, when I'm doing that, should I hide that inside my shirt? Mm. And the presenter said, yeah, you know, you probably should um, just so that you come across as, you know, secular and neutral. And I was mm. like, 
what, what are we doing? Like, right, right. no, don't hide your faith, right? right? Don't hide who you are. Don't pretend to be something you're not. Right. And, um, but that was really, I mean, there, there were, and I bought into that too, right? Like, let, oh yeah, that sounds good. Let's be, you know, let's be secular. Let's be neutral. And it was like, God really hit me over the head with like a two by four and was like, no, be who you are. Don't ever hide who I am in your life. Right. And, um, and so that was really a lesson for me, but I think one of the reasons that, that we have had even setbacks in the pro-life movement and we have had evil infiltrate the pro-life movement at times is because we have tried to separate God yep. from the work that we're doing. Right. And we cannot do that. I mean, even if, even if I go to someone and I say, well, yeah, I, I believe I, you know, I'm pro-life because science tells me that human life begins at conception. Well, where does that science come from? It comes from my God and my creator, right? right? The one true God. And so I don't think that we can ever do that. I don't think we should ever do that. We should be proudly proclaiming our faith right. everywhere we go. Yeah. We should not be ashamed of the gospel. We should not be ashamed of our faith. And I think that that's something that, that we have done. And I think that honestly, Father, that's one of the reasons that we see so much evil popping up and popping up around us because we have not been really present with the gospel. We have not been really out front with that gospel every right. chance that we can get. Abby, when you're out speaking now, and do you, do you still travel quite a bit and speak quite a bit, or how's that? I do. Yeah, now? I mean, I've definitely backed off because I have eight kids, right. um, so I've I've backed off some, but I do I do travel. Right. And do you take all eight with you when you go? Is that absolutely not? No. <laughs> <laughs> because that that wouldn't be chaotic or, or difficult. Yeah, no, yeah, it wouldn't be distracting at all. Yeah, no, not at all, not at all. When you speak now, have you seen? within yourself, your message change, you know, as Father mentions the last couple, two and a half or so years, we have seen a lot happen. You know, the last several years have been, you know, the dialogue has changed so much. Certain words you can't use, should use, hate speech, all this. They're, they're throwing this at us, shoving it down our throats left and right across the board, you know, with all, all different areas, the gender area and so forth. Do you see your message or your approach changing at all? Um, becoming, uh, and, and do you feel like the Holy Spirit's tailoring it differently for the times that we're in? And if so, how? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I've, I've seen certainly a sort of a, I mean, I've always been, you know, I mean, I've always been pretty bold, right? Um, I've always just said what needs to be said. Um, but I think over the past few years, especially with just, I mean, I don't know if you'll talk about this, but especially with the vaccine conversations, mm -hmm. um, just with, um, you know, uh, people's hesitancy to just call a spade a spade, mm -hmm. um, sort of this moral relativism in our culture. Um, you know, I, I think that there needs to be just strength from people who have a microphone, right? Um, because I think that there can there can be sort of this uh, there can be a tendency to 
succumb to these weak messages of, you know, well, let's just, you know, go along to get along and let's just say what everybody wants to say for the greater good and let's not rock the boat and um we want everybody to be happy with us and we don't want anybody to be angry with us we don't want to get canceled in any circles um you know we want to be sure that we're allowed on every network we want to be sure that you know each group of people loves us and that's just not something that i'm really concerned with mm. um and so I feel like, you know, um, you know, I, and there are, I mean, I have had events cancel, um, pro-life events cancel. I've had Catholic events cancel, uh, with me over the past, um, you know, two years, um, because of my, you know, messages. And I feel really at peace about that. You know, people are like, oh my gosh, does that make you so mad? Oh my gosh. Does, and I'm like, no, I feel like, you know, I'm saying what God wants me to say. And sometimes that's going to cause division. Mm. And, um, you know, the gospel reading was just about that, <laughs> um, the other day, how, you know, there will be division and, um, yep. and that's okay. As long as we are, you know, speaking God's <laughs> truth and we feel like that the Holy spirit is empowering our words and we're doing it with love, then I, I feel perfectly at peace with that. Yeah, of course I can't relate to that at all. No, <laughs> I know you can't, Father Colin. I know, I know. You're so meek and mild mannered. So. Yeah, well, I try to be meek and loving, but uh, yeah, I pretty much. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting too that today's the feast of, when we're recording is the feast of the beheading of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. and and I was born on his birthday, right? So, <laughs> you brood yeah. of vipers, you know. <laughs> but anyways, uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know why was he beheaded? Because Herod was starting to lean into him a little bit. He liked what he was saying. He was, he was turning. He was, and uh, conversion was real close, but, oh, the crowd might not like me. And mm -hmm. so wham, went the head off. And it's so um, uh, intoxicating, isn't it? To, to want to be liked and yeah. to want to be popular and to want to be, you know, uh, seen by everybody as, uh, but, yeah, and this is a great time for me to talk about. I just had a beautiful meeting with my bishop, and uh, and we were really on the same page with a lot of this stuff, and uh, and we're best buddies now. We're gonna go out to dinner a bunch of times, so uh, just wanted to tell everybody that we're we're good. And uh, but but it's true. I mean, it's these have been difficult times the last two and a half years, and 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 a lot of people. I said it was like we we ran for the for the uh, foxhole. It was like mm -hmm. a bombing raid and everybody just ducked for cover. Right. But, but the, uh, the, the attacks have been so severe, you know, you, if you dare, and then, then they'll use someone as an example for others, you know, the chilling effect and, and yeah. all of that's been going on right now. And it's been very difficult for people to speak up. I'm praying though, that, uh, before the comets come, <laughs> that we all have a change of heart. I keep praying for this revival. That's going to come and people are just going to be joyfully just speaking up and saying, nope, this is right. And that's wrong over there. And uh, I always use, uh, you know, you're, I'm sure with your eight kids, you're, you're a great parent, but sometimes you got to be a little tough with the kids, right? To, yeah. to make them, make them understand. No, 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 no. That, that's wrong. That's wrong. You can't do that. And, and uh, we don't want to believe that, or we don't want to go there. You're, you shouldn't be doing this. 
um, because we want to draw the best out of them, right? And and uh, and to help them become the best version of themselves they can be. So all of that is just my way of saying that uh, these are particularly challenging times. And I think, and we're gonna. I think we should move into a little bit about being prepared because I'd like to talk right now about how it means to be strong. You know, we've been talking about that, Doug and I, and our, mm-hmm. our guests, and I know you just brought it up right now, Abby, is what does it mean to be strong? You know, how do, how do you get strong? And, and, uh, and I know in my parish, here's what we've been doing, uh, first and foremost, is we've been getting down on our knees before the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. And we've been making uh, confession very accessible for people. Yeah. You know, let's get let's get the soul all cleaned up, you know, tidied up, and then let's get bef- on our knees before our Lord, and let's get as connected as we can possibly get. And we've been working on our prayer life too. Um, I, I did a journal. I, there, there it is. But uh, peace through strength. That's actually from uh, Ronald Reagan. We maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. So we've been weak. We've been in the foxhole. We've been we've been afraid of of, uh, of, um, you know, the, the mob. Right. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and unfortunately some of us have been appeasing the mob too, but, um, but it, you know, this is a time for us to get up out of the foxhole, isn't it? Um, we just had this victory with Roe v. Wade, but you're right. It, it, we're not done. Uh, the, the, the one cause became now 51 causes that we have to mm-hmm. stay vigilant on, but it's not just that either. I mean, pro-life means, um, life in, in, in all areas of our life. And, um, and so, um, one of the ways that I've been telling people is, 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 is try to spend time, just carve out a time, hopefully when you're nice and alert, not when you're, you're, you're tired and exhausted from your day or whatever, but try to carve out time to just be alone with God. You know, if you can get before the blessed sacrament, that's amazing. But if you can't, I mean, just carve out time to be alone with God and just get intimate. Let him, you know, I, I've been, I've been going to God, the father, you know, they've got this beautiful Trinity. I've been going to God, the father a lot. And I've been calling him dad a lot. You know, are you proud of me, dad? You know, I, and, and I want you to be proud of me. And, and so now every move that I make, I had a really good father growing up, by the way, but um, every move that I make, it's just, is this what you want me to do? Is this how, but I, I think going forward, don't you think, Abby? is 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 we need to get strong we need to be prepared for what lies ahead because we are in the thick of it uh, if the two, last two and a half years didn't tell us that nothing will but we're in the thick of it and we got to be we got to be strong first and foremost in our supernatural grace and what flows from that we'll see what happens we'll see where god sends us but let's get strong in our supernatural grace first amen yeah. abby I think you're so right, Father. And I, you know, I was um, talking earlier about, you know, preparedness in in our homes. And that's something that my husband and I feel, and my whole family, um, my in-laws, my parents, we all feel very strongly about that and making sure that we are, you know, physically prepared, that we're prepared in our homes. But my husband and I, with our eight children, you know, we were, we were getting all this stuff prepared in our home and we were, you know, buying things and all this kind of stuff. But then we were like, wait a minute, are we preparing our kids spiritually? Right. 
right? Like, I mean, yeah, we're praying the rosary every night. Like, yeah, we go to church. Like, yeah, we go to daily mass. Yeah, we like we're doing that, right? right. Like, yes, we read scripture. Yeah. But are we having the conversations with our kids to prepare them for hard times? Right. Right. I mean, because we don't know what's ahead. We never know what's ahead. And so we started talking to our kids like, and I mean, not to be like fatalistic or macabre or anything, but like we started talking to them about the martyrs of our faith. Right. We started asking them questions like if somebody asked you, you know, to choose between your life and your faith, what would you choose? You know, and we started talking about these saints and we started talking about how important our faith is. Right. And, and it was amazing to hear their answers, right. The faith of a child. And we started talking about how important Christ is in our life and in our hearts and in our minds. And so, you know, it being prepared physically is important. Absolutely. And I believe in that, but there's more to it than just the physical part. Right. right. There's the spiritual part as right. well. And we don't want to have one without the other. Right. Yeah. And you talk about eight kids. Um, and I know we've got a lot of, you know, there's a lot of warnings out there in society right now, water shortages, power outages, grid down type stuff um, yeah. for the audience. If you could, you know, cause I do know you're, you're actually part of our workshop. And at the time we record this on Monday, the 29th, we have a workshop on August 30th tomorrow and mm-hmm. this will come out right after that but then september 1st for those who see this in time you can go out to brcoalition.com and, and still get signed up uh, we're going to be adding a third one it looks like um and we've we've pre-recorded some interview with you abby to talk a little bit about the importance of being prepared right and this is in the reason i wanted we wanted to bring this up with you is because this is what father and i have been trying to point out to people for a long time is that you can't have one without the other we're, we're right. called to, to be instruments of god for the spiritual and the corporate works of mercy Mm-hmm. And it is important on a day-to-day basis, even apart from a crisis, to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, shelter the homeless, clothe the naked, care for the sick, visit the imprisoned, and so forth, and bury the dead. Even more so in a crisis when many, many more people may have difficult time having access to food, water, shelter, medical defense, and so forth. But you've got eight kids, and you and your husband, obviously, if you're going to be responsible, and I know this, I have five, but they've all moved out now, so it's just me and my wife living here. But... Even if friends, family, kids, grandkids come over, other people that God entrusts to our path, we, we want to help them spiritually, absolutely. But we also need to provide, to the best of our ability, food, water, shelter, and so forth. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend to you know, people out there? The spiritual order, absolutely 24-7, 365 needs to be in place. Yeah. But then that physical preparation in the sense of, just like we pay our bills to make sure we have electricity and running water on a day-to-day basis, we do have to tend to those natural pieces of the puzzle that God has us in, in this world living. What advice, what encouragement do you give people about being prepared other than signing up for the BR Coalition workshop? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what they need, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and go, don't forget to buy our Battle Ready Emergency Preparedness course, which does exist at brcoalition.com. But seriously, um, those pieces- It is really are, good, all joking yeah. aside. Well, thank you, Father. Yeah, and we're we're trying to help people put in perspective through the lens of the Catholic Church that it is a good thing. I go back to the Old Testament. Joseph, when Pharaoh has the dream of the seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, seven fat grain, seven skinny grain, and basically Joseph interprets this and says, by the power of God working through the interpretation of the dream, 
you're gonna have seven years of bounty and then seven years of some really hard famine. Mm -hmm. Well, what do we do? We need to prep. We need to store up measures of food and all the other provisions necessary so that the power of God can be seen through the goodness of what Joseph could lead them in and all the people that were fed and cared for because of the natural steps that needed to be taken. And all that is scriptural. All that is the power of God working through that moment. And there are many other examples we could give. But Abby, you and your husband, you're sitting down, you got eight kids. And I know, you know that you have been through this. What do you recommend for people out there? There are people who are going to listen um, and take seriously when, when you, a woman of faith who's had such a big conversion, uh, puts these things in proper perspective and order. What advice do you have? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few things. So, you know, we, um, we started out, you know, just a little bit at a time. Um, and because we, you know, we weren't, we didn't like jump in, right? I mean, like I have some family that actually have like concrete underground bunkers and stuff like that. So we, were, we <laughs> I, didn't start out some, that way. I do know some people like that too. They do yeah. exist out there. <laughs> you know, we just started out sort of small um, and, you know, not, not really knowing what to do, but just saying, okay, like we're, we're hearing about this. Some of our family, you know, are doing things like this. And, um, and so, you know, what, what do we do? So we started out, you know, small and, um, and we, my family were hunters. So, um, we really, one of the reasons that my fam, so my husband and I have used NFP for years. And so actually that's one of the first things that sort of got us on this journey, right? Because, um, <laughs> We were like, okay, so we don't want to put these, you know, toxins in our body and, you know, and of course the Catholic reason for NFP and all this kind of stuff, but that really sort of got us thinking about it. And so we started thinking about what we're consuming in our bodies through meat and dairy and all this kind of stuff. Right. And so my family were, were hunters. And so we just started, we just made a decision that everything that we were going to eat as far as meat products go that, um, it was going to be things that, that we actually shot ourselves. Mm. Um, and so that was sort of the first part of it. So, you know, we tag, I don't know, like four or five deer a year. We have them processed. We have a ton of freezers. Um, and then my, um, father-in-law is a cattle rancher. And so we get, you know, natural, uh, grass-fed beef from him every year. Um, and so that was sort of how we started. And then we were like, hmm, okay, like what about like chicken, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And so um, then that led us to getting chickens. Mm -hmm. And um, and then um, we started thinking about, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. And so um, we you know, planted a garden and my kids love that too. Right. So, um, and you know, if you are in a family, not of 10 people, um, then you're probably going to have some excess, you know, fruits and vegetables, if you have a healthy thriving garden. And so you can start thinking about canning some of those things. Canning is, is easy. It's not hard. You can actually can beef and venison and it's really, really good. It sounds gross and weird, but it's really good. And it makes for tender meat. Um, and it's, it shelves forever. And so you can keep it on your shelf 
forever and ever. Um, you don't have to refrigerate it. And so that's a really good way to keep your beef and venison as well. Um, and so if you have extra, you can, you can can things. It has a really, really long shelf life and it's so much healthier for you to have fresh fruits and vegetables in your pantry instead of getting them in cans. Right. And so, you know, that was one of the things that, that we started doing. Um, and then we started, you know, just getting like a couple packs of bottled water at a time and, you know, keeping those, but if you get them in a plastic bottle, you need to, you know, change them every like six months or so if they're in plastic. Um, so, you know, we start, we did start stocking up on ammo, um, pretty early. That was one of the first things that we started doing and we're very proficient with firearms. So that was something that was, you know, very important to us. Don't have guns if you don't know how to shoot them. I mean, I carry with me all the time. So, um, I was like, I don't want to have a gun if I don't know how to effectively use it. So, um, and then, you know, we started teaching our kids, you know, how to shoot our older kids, how to shoot. And, and I think the hunting process also was really beautiful for our kids because it sort of taught them just God's gift to us, um, that he's given us this gift of animals that, you know, that are for us that we can eat. Um, and so it was just sort of this like circle of life, right? Nice. Um, and so that's, those are like some easy things that people can start doing you know, we've sort of taken it up another notch, um, now. And so we, you know, we do have the sort of MRE things. We do have 25, um, 25 year, you know, packets and, and things like that. And we have like a huge closet and we do have those for each person in our, in our household. We do have, you know, um, paper towels and toilet paper. And we do have medical supplies, um, like sutures. We have, um, some, uh, we have cloth diapers. I don't have, I'm not going to have any more babies, but you just never know if someone around you will have a baby and we'll need, um, cloth diapers. We have some supplies like scarves and waterproof gloves and, and things like that in our, in our stock. Um, so there, you know, there's just different things that, you know, we're getting a little more intense, um, <laughs> into our prepping, I guess. But, but um, now, now as you, but as you see things happening in society, is that, is that part of what's, what's moving you and, and people understand, I hope the audience understands you are in prayer constantly. Yeah. I know you, well, cause you've, we've, we've established that. And yet you still feel in your heart, you and your husband, that this is something you need to move towards are the signs of the times. I mean, the fact that we're seeing so many, so many examples of the corruption, the lack of accountability on every level of government, law enforcement, uh, the defunding and all this. I mean, we have so many reasons to say, hey, you know what? Things are unstable. Things are pretty fragile. Is that yeah. the same for you? Because that's what, that, you know, in prayer and looking at what's happening naturally in the world, those are the things that drive me to be very serious and very focused on these things that you're talking about. I've done much of that as well, and I'm going to continue to do more. Is that the same for you when you see what's going on? Yeah, hundred percent. And especially looking at our currency. Um, yes, yes. And just the devaluation of our currency and the instability of our currency. Um, we have um, in like any extra funds we have, we invest in silver and look, we're not, I mean, contrary to a lot of Abby haters. Uh, we are not wealthy people. Um, you know, we're very ordinary people and, um, you know, we're just very normal people 
that live on a very tight budget for 10 people. Um, but you know what? You prioritize what's important to you. Yes. And yes. this is something that we have prioritized because it is important to us. We have eight children on loan from the Lord. <laughs> and uh, we feel very strongly that we need to protect them at all costs. And um, this is part of protecting them because we don't know how unstable our country could be. And we don't know how unstable their environment can be. I mean, I, I just want to say today, I had to go, um, we had to go run some errands and my husband and I, and my, and our three-year-old were out running errands. And so we said, you know what, let's stop and get a taco for lunch. So we did. And now mind you, this is in Austin. Okay. And I know Austin is weird, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a rougher part of Texas. Yeah. When it comes so, to the, the climate, the political climate. So yeah. we pull into this taco place. Okay. We get out and I am not exaggerating when not, I count, I was counting. Okay. The whole time we, both Doug and I were counting the whole time that we were there, nine out of the 10 men that walked into this taco place were dressed as women. Mm. Nine out of the 10. Oh, that's painful. Okay. Mm. Like our country is so lost. Right now, they are so removed from from God's path. I am I I'm not fearful for my children because I believe that you know we're teaching them God's truth with a capital T. We are keeping them close to the Lord. We're keeping them in the sacraments. They go to daily mass. We're keeping them out of public schools. We're doing everything we can to protect them. Right. Um. So I'm not fearful for them, but we are in the world, mm -hmm. right? And, and so I think that we do have to do everything we possibly can to protect them from corruption. And corruption is everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but a breaking point for me was 2015 and the Oberfell uh, decision mm. with the Supreme Court. Yes. And you, you were like, wait, what? I mean, for the first time in all of civilization, we're redefining the very bedrock of our civilization. Yeah. And we're just going to be okay with it. I mean, uh, obviously Roe v. Wade was enough, uh, but, but these, this kind of legalizing normalizes uh, and people just, uh, I always use the expression, just go shopping and golfing and, and uh, oh, okay, that's the new normal now. And that's why too, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, Abby, too, is that a lot of what people hear me and I, I think Doug, too, a, a lot, is a really calling out on, uh, and I call them the spiritual leaders. I'm not going to just pick on priests or bishops or anything like that. It's yeah. spiritual leaders in every realm uh, that it's almost like the Herod thing, right? Where, where you know, they're, they're kind of there, but then we're worried about the crowd. What, what <laughs> would the crowd think? And, and, and I, I don't know, I, I, I hear what you're, I was listening to you right now, Abby. And once again, my mind went to that. Where is the spiritual, where are the spiritual leaders right now? And, and I, I think of that, um, that video that Jason Jones produced, which, uh, uh, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. You know, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that the 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 train car stops behind the church, and they're screaming, and what? And the pastor just tries to drown them out with more singing and more art organ music. Uh, but it, it was just such a uh, so telling about what where we are right now. Um, it, it, where where do you where are you at with that, Abby? I mean, in, in terms of you know, we as maybe just not the spiritual leaders, but all of us as Christians. Uh, why are we allowing this? Why, why are we speaking out more? I, I, I blame me. I blame us. That that this kind of thing is just rifling through, and we just accept it. It seems. I think that people are so fearful, right, of not being accepted. Yeah, people are so scared of being called, you know, anything that ends in an IST, right? right? So, you know, and so they won't speak truth because they don't want to be called anything that ends in phobe or IST. Right. <laughs> and so they are resistant to God's truth and they're resistant Such an to speaking it, using, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so even our leaders are not doing it. I mean, look yeah. what just recently happened with the vote out of Congress. So many of these supposed Christian, you know, conservatives voted to, you know, accept gay marriage. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Why are we allow? Why are we saying that disordered behavior is normal? Right. This is not okay. Right. This would never be okay. And, and, but we're just, we're allowing mental illness to be accepted as normal. Right. And why aren't we saying this is not okay? There's something that's troubling in your past. Yep. We want to get to the root of it and, and we, we want to help, help you. you. We want to help you. Yeah. 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 And, and Abby, in, in general, what kind of feedback are you getting? From the people that you speak to, the crowds you're around, how are they feeling about now that Roe v. Wade has flipped and the battle has gone to you know more the state level and these other issues in general? You know, your message. You say it sounds to me like you're feeling almost a little more of an urgency in the message of just let's be clearer here. Like you said, if you got a microphone, come on, use the microphone. Okay. Yeah, um... no sitting on the sidelines. So, what kind of feedback are you getting from the people who are hearing this? And in the crowds you're talking to now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there, I mean, I'm definitely calling people out of apathy, mm -hmm. right? You cannot be apathetic. This is not the time to be apathetic. This is not the time to say victory. We're done. I mean, definitely not. Right. Um, and I, I think that, um, people are, I think that they're they're when I go and talk to these places, um, I think people are sort of like, oh, dang, because I did just want to call a victory on it. <laughs> like, right, I think right, sometimes right, yeah. they're like a little disappointed, like, oh, shoot, <laughs> like, I, I did want to be yeah. done with this, yeah. right? Um, but I think that they are feeling energized. A lot of places I'm going are sellout crowds, bigger crowds than they've had, you know, previous years. Um, so I think people are feeling excited. I think they are feeling hopeful. 
but it's, you know, I'm trying to really get the message across that, you know, we, we can't, I think there's been a lot of this. Well, I, I'm going to wait on so-and-so to do their job and then I'll do my job, right? Like I'm going to wait on so-and-so to speak about this. And then once they do, then I'll do something. And I'm like, no, God is calling all of us individually to speak this, you know, speak this truth, to speak this gospel message, to speak about the gospel of life, mm-hmm. to, you know, do something in regards to all of this nonsense that's playing out in front of us, you know, to, to seek out these people who are lost, to evangelize them. Right. I mean, he's calling all of us to do that individually. And so I'm like, yes, I am calling on, absolutely. I'm calling on leaders to, to call sin, sin, right? Right. Yes, absolutely. Like we must call on leaders to do that. Um, but also we must, we must be cognizant of the fact that God is calling us individually to do something as well. Yeah. But we can't just pass the buck, right? We can't just pass the blame and go, well, but they're not doing what they need to do, right? Well, let God work that out in them, right? But what is he calling you to do? Yeah, I was, I was listening to you say that these places are selling out now. It, you know, part of me does, is not surprised because when a Supreme Court rules, as it did in 1973, that it's okay to slaughter the baby in the womb for a lot of people that's a sanctioning and mm-hmm. the, and that leads to a normalization on June 24th 2022 i bet there was a lot of people that went wait what you know i was for this and yeah. and, and and i thought it was okay to, to to slaughter this baby in the womb and and now this uh most trusted institution on the planet, maybe for a lot of people, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court of the United States says, no, maybe not. I bet you a lot of people went gulp. And I think yeah. in that moment, they went, you know what? I think I need to be pro-life now. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll bet you that that's the phenomenon that we're seeing right now. And I, I'm really hopeful too, that a, that a lot of people get involved uh, to get these scoundrels out of power. And it doesn't, I'm not necessarily talking about political power either, you know, just everywhere and, uh, and do all that we can to, to turn this nation again. Now what just popped in my mind was in 1981 and Ronald Reagan, you know, it seemed like right then, like we were just going to just surge in the, in a direction that, and let's not even call it God right now for those who squirm about that. Let's just call it about right versus wrong, you know, or holy versus unholy. You know, uh, light versus darkness, joy versus sadness. I mean, let's let's head in that direction now. And and so I here I am again, I'm Mr. Hopeful. <laughs> but I I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm doing my own kind of prepping too in in my own way. I won't get into details. And I am concerned, and I do think we have to be prepared. Um, but at the same time, I'm holding out hope that um, that that we can at one point go, you know what? I don't need this freezer full of Big Macs anymore. You know, I just, uh, I'll be, I'm just kidding. I don't have a freezer full of Big Macs, but, but, um, but until then, I think it is wise for us to, to be prepared in every way that we can, certainly spiritually first, but yeah, in all the ways that we can. And I'm learning and, and uh, Doug's schooling me quite a bit here. And I'm, 
I'm getting better at it, but, 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 but I, I comments, just, father, the comments are, coming. I know, I know the comments, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I, 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 I just, I'm praying my guts out. You know, every morning I'm going up onto a, a, a little mountain and a lookout tower and I'm praying over the nation. And my, my primary prayer is heal our land, you know, for two Chronicles seven fourteen. I did that back when a strip club was here years, years ago. Uh, and the strip club went away, but, uh, anyways, I, we got to believe in the power of prayer. We've got to unite yeah. in prayer. That's a big thing right now. We're in a 54 day rosary novena, uh, that goes until October 7th. And we've got over 80,000 people praying together. And I yeah. believe in that power, but, but, but let's, let's do all that we can start with prayer. Uh, start with getting yourself as intimate and as close as you can with God, and then let him ignite your soul, but also your mind. You know, what do I need to be doing right now? You know, I, I need to act. I can't just just hide behind prayer. You know, mm -hmm. I, I got to act. And so, God, what are you telling me to do right now? So right, right now, Abby, what do you think primarily God is telling you to do right now? Um, You know, I think that, um, you know, honestly, Father, I've been, I've, you know, people have been asking me, you know, well, what are, what are you? you know, what are you doing? What are you? <laughs> um, and I've been getting that question a lot. And first of all, I want to say, because I forgot three times already, you look very, uh, fit and joyful. Well, and, thank you. Yeah, I, so you I know what tell, I've been, I've been, getting, yeah. I've been getting my act together. So yeah, I've lost, yeah, I've lost 45 pounds. Oh, nice. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I've been. I had been, a lot to lose. And I, I'm. I lost sixty since January first. Awesome. So, yeah, that's but awesome. I, I got a bigger mountain to climb than you do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Just yeah. small steps. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I've lost forty five pounds. We've been. My husband and I've been really working on it. And. Um. Yeah. I mean. Honestly, God has really been. Um. For me, God has really been calling me to, um, to really be intentional with my family. Yep. And he has been really encouraging me to give that message to other people, Yes. to really be intentional with your family, to really yep. be intentional with your children. Yep. Um, you know, I, I started getting that message probably about six months ago and I wasn't exactly sure what God was saying. Um, but I was, I was actually looking on Facebook. I don't go on Facebook that much anymore, but I was looking on Facebook one day and, um, and I had this, you know, Facebook sometimes will pull up like memories or whatever, you know, like a picture sure. or something. Right. Right. And I saw this picture of me with some of my kids like five years ago or something. And I was looking at it and I just thought, where were we? What were we, what were we doing? I couldn't even remember what we right. were doing in this picture. And it made me really sad. And I thought, I have these images. I have these pictures of me with my kids, but I don't have memories mm -hmm. with them because I have spent so much time away from them. Right. I, I have spent so much time on the road. Um, you know, trying, trying really, really hard, trying my best to save the lives of other children while neglecting my own. Mm. And that's not the vocation that God 
has, has put on my life, right? My vocation is not to be a pro-life speaker. Mm. My vocation is to be a wife and a mother. Mm. And, um, and so I, you know, I've, I've really been intentionally, God has really been in, in, you know, intentional with me saying, what is your vocation? You know, and how are you living out your vocation? And that's really been something that he has called me to ask other people. And, um, and so that we can all really get focused on what is our vocation because so many times, like, I mean, Fatima and other people have said the last attack is going to be on the family. So, you know, how strong are our families? They need to be strong. Right. And, um, and so, and it, it, you know, and sometimes like in my case, it's not that I was doing bad things, right? It's not that I was out at a club or drinking all the time or, you know, I was doing good things. I was doing things that, you know, I'm trying to honor God. I'm doing what I, what I think I need to be doing for God's kingdom, but it was taking me away from my family that God has gifted me with. It was taking me away from my vocation. And so that's really the message that God has been putting on my heart lately. So it's not that I'm, you know, not doing pro-life things. It's not that I'm not going out and speaking, but I really have limited that. And, you know, it means that we've had to, you know, limit some of our finances and limit some other things, but it's so worth it. Um, It's worth it to be home, to get up and make breakfast for my family every morning, right? It's worth it to be able to actually live out that vocation that he's called me to. What a beautiful message. That is amazing. And you know what? It's pro-life. It's it's pro-living life to the fullest in the way that God wants you to. Uh, looking at your primary vocation as a wife and mother, and uh, what a beautiful message to send to everybody else to make sure that we're we're attentive to all that. I know for me, I I, I feel like my parish is my family, so yeah. I tr- I try to be close to them and available at all the time. I got a twenty four seven confessional, so that's, that's one of the ways I try to do it. But but uh, yeah, how important it is. Doug has been an amazing dad. I've been watching him for years, mm. um, just all in with his kids. So. But uh, anyways, that's a beautiful, beautiful message for us to begin with, you know, being very intentional with our, our primary cause, uh, a spouse and a, and a, uh, and a parent. Mm-hmm. Right, Doug? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Abby, thank you so much. I mean, this is, this has been great. I mean, unplanned or planned for what's ahead. Obviously we're talking both spiritually and naturally and, and you covered both the areas so well. So really appreciate you being yes. on with us tonight. Of course. Thank you. Anytime. It's been fun. It has been. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we end with a prayer? You bet. Yeah. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, right. Abby. Thanks, Thank you guys so much. It was so fun.